When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Kowalski here, checking in with another one of our hashtag Positively Trek podcast episodes. Today, of course, I am joined by the wonderful Dan and Bruce, my co-hosts, because I have completely taken over the Positively Trek podcast. They have signed it over to me. It's legal. It's done. And they're going to be fired directly after this episode is recording. Gentlemen, how are you doing? So, uh, yeah, I think we're ready to get started here. Wait, what? what's happened? What's happening? Can, oh, hey. Dan, I forgot to tell you, uh, Kowalski is under contract now. He's now leading the show. He's going to do all the notes, do all the prep. All we have to do is show up. Mm, Brilliant. I, I don't it. like that. I, that was, <laughs> nope, you guys are fired. So you guys are done. Get out of here. Just wrap up the mics. <laughs> wrap them up. <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, yeah, there we go. We've got the voice of the great Kowalski, uh, Star Trek YouTuber extraordinaire. And I'm trying to think of other adjectives and things to throw out <laughs> oh, here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I should come on this podcast more often. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We're really happy to have you on the show. I'm of course, Dan Gunther. Uh, Bruce Gibson is here as always. And yeah, that voice you heard, Ketwalski, if you're not aware of who this person is, check out his YouTube channel. Just search Ketwalski or youtube.com slash Ketwalski. Uh, makes really interesting, really terrific Star Trek videos, mostly news, but also reviews and also some other interesting stuff that we're going to get into that sounds like our show. <laughs> yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, does anybody have any original ideas anymore? No, no we don't. We're, it's all the same now. It's fine. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it because uh, I, I've I've been a fan of your channel for quite a while. Uh, there's been a couple projects that we've kind of been working on together over the over the last little few years, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, like nebulously working in the same quadrant so to speak yeah yeah very close but not too close which is how i like it definitely <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of course there's the captain picard day organized by uh jesse gender friend of the show by the way and uh, uh there was a a project that you organized uh about a year before that as well yeah there was um it was in regards to um like the anniversary we did like an anniversary video where what Star Trek means to you, and I got as many YouTubers as I possibly can to uh, do like a little bit of a segment there, and I kind of edited it together to kind of share with everyone. And yeah, I mean, it was very similar to that, like, um, of what Jesse did, who's a fantastic uh, YouTuber, great content creator, Jesse is, and and 
you know, she was able to kind of do uh, an even more expanded version of that, which I thought was actually even better than mine. So great jobs to her. But yeah, so we've been kind of working on a couple of different projects in the YouTube realm. But now here I am crossing the streams, as they say, <laughs> and I'm jumping over to your your you know, prominent realm over here in the podcast where I'm, I'm totally unknown. People are like, I don't know who you're talking about. Kat Walski sounds like a stupid name, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we've been working on a couple of projects over the, over a couple of years for sure. So what is up? Tell me about the name. What you think you're like Madonna or like Sting <laughs> just or something? Seal, seal, seal. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I just kind of cool, you know, very hip. Um, no. So when I made the channel, uh, a number of years ago now, maybe five years ago now, I don't remember now, but I thought I was being exceedingly clever with coming up with like a really unique name. And I was like, how can I come up with something that no one ever, ever has, you know, and that is totally identifiable to me, identifiable to me. And so the, it's like actually a connection between two words. So it's actually Kowalski, which is my favorite character from Stargate SG-1 who every time he appears on screen, he dies, and I love it. And I, I just enjoy that so much. I thought that was really great. And a Ketwal, which is one of the creatures that George Lucas created to cover up the Wolfman in one of the special releases of Star Wars A New Hope. Inside the Cantina sequence, it actually looks like, like a half-elephant with tusks kind of man. And uh, I put the two together, and I thought it was exceedingly clever and I thought it was really great. Um, in hindsight, I realize now that uh, it makes it almost impossible for anyone to find me. They can't spell it right. And it has nothing to do with Star <laughs> Trek whatsoever. So, you know, it was really great. Really great job with the branding there five years ago. So now, But now here I am. It's too late. Can't change the name. And I'm stuck with it. So I've just embraced it. Now. I just assumed it was your last name and you're just going by that. But that's not well, the case. People did assume that. And apparently there is a... Uh, um, I found this out later because people kept referring to me, you know, YouTube comments are very polite and very kind. And people were referring to me as a stupid Polak, a stupid Pollock, oh, wow. a stupid Polish oh, wow. person, because I guess that there is a similar sounding name um, in the Polish culture. So they assumed also that my last name was this so that I was Polish. And I remember when I first saw those comments, I was like, where are they getting? Like, what are they talking about? I'm not Polish. I don't really... Like, that's a really weird insult. But then it kept happening. And then I was like, oh, it's because this is the last name that like has similar connections back to that culture. So, yeah. But no, it's not my last name at all. Well, we like one name people anyway. I mean, we have them in Star Trek and stuff. And, and you know, one of our favorite celebrities and friends of the show is Charo. And she has one <laughs> name. Do you See, know who Charo is? No, I don't. Okay, you'll have to look her up. Because she's a great singer, <laughs> performer, dancer, musician, the whole deal. I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. If you listen to past episodes, Charo really does exist. You have to check. She's really cool. <laughs> okay. I look up the word Charo and it comes up with a definition of a Mexican horseman or cowboy. No, 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 so no, I don't it, know. C-H-A-R-O and she's oh, a okay. musician. So yeah, check her gotcha. out. She's from Spain. But um, so <laughs> do, you, do you have a real name and do you disclose that information? Yeah, my real first name is Nick, oh. Yeah, which I think most people know uh, now if you've been around the channel long enough. Um, well, obviously, I I've haven't either. been. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a couple of other like interviews and discussions with folks where they use my real name, and sometimes I'll refer to myself in the third person in my videos as like Nick or something like that. So, 
Yeah, no, I think most people do know that my first name is Nick. Very cool. Well, I guess uh, let's let's dive in. So, how did you be first become a fan of Star Trek? You know, there's this thing that links us all together. That's why you're on the show. We love Star Trek. What was kind of your introduction to that universe? Yes, do tell. <laughs> um, I remember being very young and my father sitting me down and what I recall being... Explaining uh, the birds and the bees? I, we don't right. want to go there. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Well, no, we're... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. I mean, really, it's, it's somewhat connected there because I remember going through what I imagined being a torturous 15-hour film called Star Trek The Motion Picture, <laughs> which is very sexual in nature, by the way. That's right. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, very sexual in nature. But I remember sitting there watching that and being like, wow, this is literally the worst thing I could possibly watch. I remember feeling that way. But I also burned a hole in the VHS copy of The Voyage Home that we had because I love the whales so much. And, you know, they cursed in that one where they said double dumbass. And I thought that was great as a kid. So that's kind of how I started. So I started really with the TOS films. Then I went into The Next Generation and then Deep Space Nine slash Voyager, and then Enterprise, and then I rounded it all back off with watching the original series later on in life, because at the time, it wasn't like you could just go and grab the original series. It wasn't on television in that way. This was for the younger listeners that used to have to wait for things to be on TV. You didn't have the opportunity to just click on whatever you wanted. So when streaming came a thing, I was able to watch all of the original series and the animated show as well. But so it's kind of like just a very long kind of drawn out way of saying I started with the movies and then I got into the next generation. So my first series is the next generation. That's the one I, I call back to. That's my that's my home of, of, of Star Trek. And did you ever circle back to the motion picture and, and change your opinion of that? Or is that still kind of that torturous 15 hour experience? <laughs> Actually, I did. Um, so as I got older, I really began to appreciate classic science fiction films so i really enjoy you know 2001 i really enjoy the motion picture i really enjoy blade runner where these slow kind of very methodically moving films that are old old school classic sci-fi films that are very slow and i actually appreciate the motion picture for what it is because it's designed to be a classic science fiction film and not more of a uh hyper stylized version of it which i think the wrath of khan was at the time when it came out. Now it's still probably to some people, they're like, this is slow and boring. But when you compare the motion picture to the Wrath of Khan, it's like a horse and buggy next to a Formula One race car. You know, it's like totally different speeds and tempo and tones and and, uh, editing paces and styles. So I I do appreciate the motion picture now. I, I do enjoy it. And it's fun to watch and it's fun to make fun of because it's so ridiculous. It's just so fun to kind of enjoy with diehard Trekkies who want to just enjoy it and, and kind of poke fun out of it, but also experience it still. So, I mean, you being a diehard Star Trek fan, are you a diehard fan of something else that is greater than Star Trek for you or is Star Trek the thing at your top of your list? I would say Star Trek is the thing at the top of my list. I would say only because it had probably the most impact in my life growing up. Um, Star Trek was kind of, uh, you know, as um, I think is kind of a a story that a lot of people can relate to. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. 
I was a big science fiction nerd, played video games and, you know, watched sci-fi TV and stuff. So Star Trek had the bigger impact on me with having the majority of the content I could consume and watching people interact as a team and work together and this family, family ideals and stuff like that. So it had a big impact on me growing up. The closest franchise connected to that would be Star Wars. Um, so I know as much of, I would say I know more about Star Trek, but I know quite a bit about Star Wars as well. But I don't talk about Star Wars on my channel at all because uh, that's a whole nother realm of toxic fandom that I don't really <laughs> want to step into. So I just kind of keep my focus on Star Trek and I, I allow that to kind of be my my thing for now. And there's and also I would say that the Star Wars YouTube scene is super bloated and very crowded. And I have no interest in trying to crack into that that realm because there's just too much going on there. Well, speaking of the YouTube scene and and that sort of thing, how did you get started making videos on YouTube and and Star Trek in particular? Uh so I for a number of years, um, I had always wanted to do a YouTube channel. It is something that was like really on my mind and something I always wanted to try to do. I always thought that I could be good at it. And I remember it was when I was living in uh, Colorado and I had just moved into a new apartment and I was sitting there and I said to myself like, all right, so either I'm going to do it now or I'm never going to do it again. Like I'm just going to write this off. I'm going to stop, you know, letting this hang over, um, uh, my head as something I want to do or not. So I was either going to remove it from my bucket list or actually cross it off as a thing to have done. And so I just started making these videos and I was making just, just the worst Doug videos you can imagine. Just terrible. <laughs> and they're still up there. So I've hidden quite a few of them um, from folks because, and mainly just because of algorithmic situations. Cause like if you were to Google my name, it was pulling up videos from like three years prior. So I had mm. to hide some of those to kind of boost up the algorithm a little bit there. So I kind of tried to fix that. But there's still a number of videos, like my very first videos that are out there. And I was reviewing like everything from trash cans to video games to just everything under the sun. And I was still trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do with the channel. And I had made a tribute video for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And I was like, oh, this is this is just something fun. I'll put this together. I had like, you know, the inner light music behind it with, you know, the flute and all that and yeah, it was no big deal. And then the next thing I know, I actually stopped. Like I stopped making YouTube videos. I was like, yeah, this sucks. I'm not good at this and nobody's watching. And I went back and checked it a few, maybe a month or two after I had stopped. And I realized that that video had like 20 or 30,000 views on it because people really liked it. So I was like, well, I'll make another one and I'll make another one. And well, maybe I'll just start talking about Star Trek more because I know Star Trek. I know a lot about it and I'm excited about it. And so I started making things in relation to Star Trek online because that was kind of the only thing that was in the market at the time in terms of new content. And then it just so happened that then they announced Star Trek Discovery. So I was like, oh, well, dang, here we go. So it's kind of all she wrote after that. So you, you make a lot of uh, review videos of episodes and kind of news and what's going on and behind the scenes in Star Trek. What's kind of your favorite kind of Star Trek video to make at this point? Uh, probably my news videos. Uh, it's a segment that I created called the Earl Grey Pour Up, which in hindsight would have probably been a much better name for the actual <laughs> YouTube channel, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, you know, it is what it is, but that's probably my favorite because I get to really just kind of just talk about the news. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit more freeing. Whereas like review videos, I feel like I have to be like really focused in on 
this specific, you know, topic and I have to kind of uh, make sure all of my ducks are in the row as I'm talking and stuff like that to make sure I'm not just saying a bunch of crazy things on camera. Whereas like with the news videos, I get to cover a wide array of different things and I get to kind of like really gush about different stories and it allows people to have a really great, um, you know, cross chat in the comments and also with me in the comments as well, because there's a lot of things to talk about as opposed to like with an episode review or a film review where it's like either that people like say, I love this. Thank you for sharing. Or they say this episode sucked and you suck. Don't ever make any more videos. So it doesn't have <laughs> a, like a lot of crossover chat between that stuff. So I would say the Earl Grey is my favorite right now. I, I do have to say, like, I'm a huge fan of your news videos. You always seem to put a lot of research and work into them, which, you know, can't be said for other channels out there, which, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about, uh, maybe not specifically, uh, coming up, but, uh, yeah. So I, I always appreciate that. You seem to always have a lot of really interesting sources for information, like, uh, um, like acting union websites and that sort of thing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that process of like kind of gathering that information and, and how you find some of these uh, more out there sources? Yeah. So I, over the years I have developed not only a, a repertoire of online sources that I'm able to kind of research and dig into, but also I have a good, um, I guess you could say like a tertiary team of people that I also can reach out as touch points that have some information and that kind of provide me some stuff as well to kind of look at and things. So it's kind of built up over the years, but I would say my initial desire to really start to investigate these things came with my, you know, desire to say like, okay, there's claims that are being made and there's things that are people that are, you know, they're saying these things and how can I go about either validating this information or providing another viewpoint or straight up just saying, no, this is actually inaccurate. So I just started off with that. I just started to just really researching and kind of digging into certain things. And it's kind of just developed over the years where now, like I said, like I have, I have like a list of sites that I'm able to kind of check in on and whether it's acting guild websites or production websites or trade article websites or the writer's guild of America websites, like all of these different like weird things that it's hard for people to think like, oh, like he must have all these insider sources if he's getting all this information. It's actually the majority of it is publicly available. It's just not something that you can simply just Google search. Like I can't just Google search Star Trek Discovery season four, Alex Kurtzman, and expect to find, you know, the smoking gun that this is the show is actually starting. You have to like really dig into some of these different things and start to correlate some of the data and then make an assumption based off of that data. Um, and which is where the difference is between a straight up rumor versus an assumption, of course, which is a rumor is just hearsay and, and providing nothing. Whereas I like to provide at least some kind of publicly available, publicly facing information. Cause I get stuff. People send me stuff all the time. That's like, oh, this is what's going on. But I can't validate that. I can't just be like, I know someone that emailed me and they said, this is what's happening. So it's totally, totally what's happening. And it's like, I, I'm not going to do that because that's just wrong. And, and I don't want just people just to trust what I have to say. It's all about getting the right sources together. So it's a methodical process. Some videos are much easier to make than others. Some of them, I spend an enormous amount of time researching and kind of making sure I have all of my ducks in a row. And then, you know, just for somebody to make a comment saying you're full of and I hate you. So, you know, it's <laughs> so, such is life. So you take responsibility. I mean, it's you're not just, oh, I heard this and put it out there. You actually spend the time to validate and make sure that what you're saying 
is true or maybe clue or close to it, but you have, like you said, the ducks in a row to prove that, hey, I'm just not giving you crap of just something I heard. I'm actually researching this and looking at that. Do you ever have one of these, oh, an industry source told me that I can't reveal? I mean, but you're actually digging into these sites. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's... And it it can be a bit frustrating because sometimes I will get something from from certain people and... From like CBS or something? No, not from CBS. Okay. You know, just just like anonymous sources, really. And that's really what it comes down to is some people will be like, oh, yeah, this is what's happening. Like Strange New Worlds was a big thing. And I was getting a lot of like little quote unquote leads. People were emailing me and stuff like that. And it was like, gosh, I really wish I could talk more about this, but I really can't validate that. I can't take, I can't say, I can't give this the Ketwalski stamp of this is something that I stand behind as something that may be going on, you know? And that's why I think people come to trust the channel in some regards. And that's why it's like, like, that's why I was able to really hardcore guess like when they were going to be announcing the start of Discovery season three and the fact that they were going to be doing season four. And, you know, like these are things that are publicly available that if you spend enough time researching it and kind of watching the PR behaviors of CBS and things like that, like it's easy for, for somebody to really just start to guess these things because it's, it's kind of, they follow like the same procedure. So if you spend enough time looking at these sources that are publicly available, you can extrapolate and make good assumptions based off of that. And, and, you know, I mean, just in the last couple of months, I mean, We've, you know, we've been right, right on the money on the channel, you know, because it's just, it's just kind of, uh, it's I'm able to do that without relying on just mystery sources that are sending me things randomly or going onto 4chan and doing whatever and just being like, oh, this must be what's going on. Clearly, that's that, that's it. Yes, yeah, punching a television or whatever crazy thing is going on. Yeah, so we don't have to do the research because you're doing it for us. We just have to watch the channel. <laughs> I always encourage everyone to follow their own sources. I say that in every one of my videos, especially when I'm dealing with rumor videos. I always encourage people to do their own research, to not even just take my word for it, because I don't. That's the whole kicker, right, is I want people to challenge that construct. Like if I click on a YouTube video and somebody says, yes, in Star Trek Discovery season four, they're going to paint Saru blue. And it's like, okay, don't just take that at face value. Try to actually investigate it. Where can you go to even start to uncover that? Oh, wait, that's right. There is nothing. It's actually just, you know, it's actually just all smoke and mirrors. And I'm, and to not just trust that, to do their own research. And I encourage everybody to do that. Don't just follow what I have to say. Do your own research. So based on your research, has Alex Kurtzman really been fired 17 times? <laughs> no, based on my research, Alex Kurtzman has been fired 1,700 times, actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, uh, God. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing for sure. Dealing with the rumors because it's not just about trying to make good sense about what's going on production wise and trying to dig through some of those things. It's also trying to combat things. And I've always I struggled for a number of years with how can I disprove a rumor because if somebody says, "Oh, I was just told this," it's a rumor but then everyone believes that that's true. How do you disprove that? And it actually is literally impossible because it's just, it's a, it's a fagazi, it's a fagazi, it's a fairy dust, you know, it's not a thing. So how can I, it, so my approach to that in the past has always been like, here's some other ways to interpret what may be going on. 
Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think this year I took a little bit more of an active approach to the rumor stuff. But leading up to this year, that has always been kind of my approach. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that then. So there are, of course, other channels out there who, you know, we're not going to name directly, but who don't have your standard of proof. And I mean, you know, you talk about disproving a rumor. Of course, if everybody followed the rules of logic, it's up to a person making an extraordinary claim to provide extraordinary evidence for it. But nobody ever seems to worry about that if they're just you know, reporting on these so-called rumors that generally seem to be made up out of whole cloth. And you've kind of undertaken a, uh, a a bit of a strategy over the last year, which you alluded to, uh, with regards to some of these channels and, um, yeah, why don't we, I'll, I'll leave it there and, and let you talk a little bit about what, uh, you have done with regards to uh, members of, of I, I guess we can call them the fandom menace or, or people of, of that ilk, I guess. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's not a, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, like that's not a disparaging term. That's a term that they've given themselves. So they mm-hmm. call themselves that. So we're not saying that in a negative light. That's what they refer to themselves as, the fandom menace. So at the end of last year, beginning of this year, there was a big thing thing that happened over on 4chan, um, which is an anonymous message sharing board website, where an individual decided that they were going to create a bunch of fake news stories on 4chan as quote-unquote Star Trek leaks in an effort to see if they could get people to report on them, these fandom menace channels, to report on these stories. And it essentially culminated in this story about supposedly Alex Kurtzman punching his hand through an 80-inch OLED television. This is in this I'm quoting this directly. Screaming at every all the writers in the office saying that he was going to fire everyone and that they were never going to work there, never going to have another job in any industry in the world and they were not going to work there anymore and then supposedly one of the writers stood up and said, "Yeah, but we'll be working at the Orville." And then everyone cheered and clapped on the train and that definitely definitely happened, you know. <laughs> and you know what I mean? So it, and it's written ridiculously, but of course it was picked up and that story was ran, and I remember seeing that story being ran and being like, God, that is really obviously fake. That's so stupid. But as I was researching, kind of doing my research thing, which I hadn't really done too much on 4chan previously, but I was really starting to dig into 4chan at that point, I came across a separate thread in a totally different um, subcategory on 4chan where everybody was talking about the fact that they had tricked them into reporting this story. And it was like this really long thread about how they had, they had tricked everybody. And then that's where I discovered that these hidden messages were inside of all of these posts. So I made a video about that. Everyone had a good laugh about it. There were some folks that definitely had some egg on their face in that regards. They tried to just laugh it off, make it seem like it was just a one-off situation, and everybody moved on. It was at that point, uh, shortly after that point, where I thought to myself... Well, what if I could do it? What if I could do that? What if we could do this again and really prove to people that these certain channels really don't have any standards at all for where they're getting their their data from and that it's okay to report on, I mean, I don't personally think it's okay to report on rumors. I really, really don't. I have a very strong stance against it, but I know a lot of channels, even outside of Star Trek realm, people report on quote unquote rumors. And it's not just YouTube, it's on news sites, all that stuff, Twitter, like a lot of people report on these rumors and stuff like that. But I don't think that 
certain channels do a concerted effort enough to really drive home the fact that these are all just bull and they just report it as fact, even though they'll say like, oh, this is a rumor, and then they proceed for 45 minutes to talk about how serious of uh, the quote-unquote reality of the situation is. But they said it for five seconds that it's a rumor at the beginning and the end of the video, but that's not really enough, you know what I mean? So we can get into all that if you want to, but that's a whole separate issue. So I was like, all right, what if I could get them to do it again? And so I contacted the individual because they had actually reached out to me after I made my first video. They said, hey, I'm the guy or you know, that, that did this, you know, I appreciate you making this video. I apologize to him for kind of ruining his fun because I basically spoiled it um, because I think that they were going to continue doing that. And so I reached back out to this person. I said, Hey, do you want to do something here? Do you want to kind of do this again? And he was like, sure. Yeah. So over the next couple of months, we slowly released out fake stories on 4chan to slowly start to build up a narrative about problems going on with the Star Trek franchise. Some of them had hidden messages in there. Some of them didn't because we were very concerned about people finding them. We wanted to make sure that it was believable. And then kind of around June timeframe is when we started to get crank it up and start to release more and more ridiculous rumors. And I mean, and it just worked, you know, Um, we, we had one in particular that was not actually supposed to be the one that they were supposed to report on. We were going to try to get surpass the construct of punching through a television. We were going to do something even more ridiculous. Um, but the very first one that kind of had like some really crazy rumors attached to it got picked up by all the fandom menace channels, was trending on Twitter. People were talking about it as if it was real. And then they were like saying like, oh, yeah, uh, this is what I've been hearing for the last couple of months, not realizing that all the information that they've been getting over the last couple of months was all fake and it was all bullshit. We had made it all up. And then we did another story after that, which some people were like, this one is fake. The other one is real, which was kind of on our bad because we kind of went a little too far with it. That one had to do with Ruby Rose being cast in a new episode, a new show of Star Trek. And it was all this stuff that we were, we, we had gone a little bit, we, we got a little bit too bold. I think we, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit in some regards. We should have went a little bit slower. So at that point, the cat was out of the bag. So then I started to produce my video of you know, chronicling everything that we had done. And then as I was doing that, it kind of took a totally different turn, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. But yeah, so that's a very long story. But essentially what it was is my objective was to try to be more proactive on the rumor side of it to say, if I can't disprove your rumors, maybe I can say like, they not only don't have standards, but all of the rumors that they've been reporting on for the last couple of months have all come from me and they're all fake. And Mm -hmm. I was hoping that that it would have an impact on people's ideas and thoughts on what to trust from certain channels. And I think it did in some regards. I think some people picked up on it. I think overall, it probably was just a small splash in a large pond. But yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like you've moved the needle a bit. Like I've seen... A general, and I, mean, I mean, maybe it's the fan circles I travel in, maybe it's my bubble, but it, they, there does seem to be less of a tendency to take what these channels are saying at face value. Uh, they, I think they do, of course, have their entrenched fans that, right. you know, for whatever reason, they've been wrong 97 times, but, you know, this 98th time, the whatever they're trying to feed you, oh, that's absolutely 100% true. Uh, but I, I do feel like you've made a difference a bit there. Well, yeah, I mean, and you bring up a good point, like, because one of the rumors that we created was that the Noah Hawley script was garbage and that Paramount was canning the movie. 
And then I think a few weeks after that, the story broke that they were actually putting the movie on the back burner. And so now everyone's like, see, they're right sometimes, therefore they're right every time. And it's like, well, it, it, yeah, broken clock is right twice a day. And if you throw enough shit at the wall, eventually something will stick. And this just happened to be a coincidence that we released that story. They reported on it. And then it happened to be true, um, which is unfortunate because I think it just added a little bit of confusion to the whole process that I was trying to go for. I wish that that had not happened, obviously, because I think it would have made it a little bit better. But right to say like, yeah, they're right all these other, they're wrong all these other times, but they were right this one time. So therefore, they're always right. And it's like, uh, I don't, okay, well, if that's how you, if that's what you want to believe, okay. I don't think I'll be able to convince you with any of my arguments. So, Do you call out these outlets on your YouTube channel as who picked up your stories and falsely reported? Yes, I do. I I absolutely do. Um, and I've gotten some flack for that in the past where people are like, oh, you're just clickbait hunting by putting their names in the title or their pictures in the thumbnail and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, it that's just the nature of making content. You have to create, you know, these the, – because, I mean, there's th- – when you log into YouTube – you're immediately bombarded with hundreds of videos and you're trying to get people's attention. So there's going to be something you need to put in there to get people's attention and is also topical. And it's not clickbait in the sense that I'm having you click on something and then the video is about something else, but it is in an effort to say like, this is the channel I'm referring to and these are the people I'm calling out. I'm not very shy about that at all. No. Awesome. I have to. I haven't watched that video, but I'm going to because there's certain ones in my mind that I'm thinking, oh, I bet it was this dude or I bet it was this channel. I picked up on <laughs> if you if you haven't seen my most recent expose, uh, I I really doubt you'll you'll expect how that video ends. I don't think anybody was expecting how that video ended because I wasn't expecting how that video ended. In fact, it pushed back the production of my whole 4chan saga video back several months because I then had to then basically restructure the entire thing because it was just about kind of you know, kind of like having a laugh about tricking them again, but then it turned into this totally other thing that really was like, wow, this is kind of interesting here. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know if I want to spoil that for you, if we want to talk about that, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very interesting ending for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and I'll have a link to that particular video in the show notes uh, for this episode, because I think it definitely is worth uh, a watch for sure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, your experience on YouTube with the Star Trek fandom as a whole and in particular YouTube comments and people who, who follow your channels, I have to imagine, and I I tend to steer clear of, of comment threads on videos outside of my own, um, just because there seems to be a lot of, uh, vitriol out there, but have you noticed a big shift in the comments you've gotten from, you know, before doing all of this and, and after is, has there been a lot of pushback from certain segments of fandom? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say that, um, I have a interesting relationship with the Star Trek fandom on YouTube because as I always try to be as, as fair and as balanced as I can with my reviews and my views on Star Trek, where, you know, I'll do a video talking about the fandom menace folks and I'll get a lot of hate from that side of the realm of people who are their strongest supporters and they're kind of like hating on me, but then I'll get a lot of pro conversations from the Star Trek, kind of like the Star Trek fandom side of things. But then I made a video 
that I re- I was kind of deep dived into the whole construct of Michael Burnham being a Mary Sue character, which was a huge issue that was levied against the character for, you know, still is in my opinion, um, that people levy that, that criticism against her character. So I did a video about that and then it was kind of uh, inverted where people who hate Discovery were like, this video is, this is what I'm talking about, you see? And then people who are kind of pro Star Trek were like, you son of a B word. How could you possibly make a video like this? And it's like, so sometimes I kind of have like this weird dynamic where, because I am sharing my opinions on things and my feelings on things, it, it's, it kind of goes back and forth sometimes. But overall, I would say that I, I have a core group of people that are over on the channel that are supportive in my viewpoints and, and not just in a bubble construct, because I still have people that comment all the time on my videos that provide you know, criticisms of both either my video or what it is I'm talking about, but do it in a respectful way. So we're able to kind of get some good conversation there. But yeah, I mean, over the years though, I mean, I've gotten some crazy comments. I had somebody try to start a a rumor on my comment threads that I was a drunk and an alcoholic. I've had people threaten to kill me. I've had a lot of people threaten to kill me actually. Uh, It's just, it's just part of it. I think when you kind of poke at what somebody considers to be their messiah, of information there, you know, and you're saying like, no, this person's actually full of people are, they don't react very well to that. So, you know, I kind of just get some of that. And I mean, that's what the block button's for, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why they have that there. And I don't block people on principle just because they disagree with me, but if they're like violent or just sexist or bigoted or racist, or they're saying just crazy things, like if I see that stuff, I'll, I'll just delete it and block that person because I'm not there for all that hate speech, but if they have different opinions, I'll, I'll leave that stuff up there for sure. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, you know, the, like you were saying, the different audiences kind of go back and forth based on what you're saying. It's almost as though people contain multitudes and have their own opinions about what? things that don't fit into tightly controlled columns. <laughs> yes. I, I would, I think that the fandoms as fandoms go in terms of all especially science fiction groupings, but specifically within the Trekkie fandoms, there's two groups, one that's super far to one side that's hating everything and they just, they want everything to go back to the original series. And then the other side of it is this stuff isn't, isn't even like, they're just super pro everything that comes out, no matter what, they'll never even criticize, they'll never even dream of criticizing the new shows and, and the new content. But I feel like most folks are in the middle. I think that have a nuanced opinion that can have a thoughtful discussion about things that they like, things that they dislike. I always say this, I I will always provide criticisms constructively to Star Trek as a franchise. And I can allow the show to be, to fail. Like the shows can fail, but I will never abandon the franchise and allow it to be a failure. I'll never abandon it. I'll always be supportive of it. And I'll always be a member of it. And I'll always try to give as much positive feedback as I can because if even one person that's working over there sees that and they're like, wow, that's a really great point. We should do something like that. Then, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's mission accomplished, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just randomly looking at comments on your YouTube channel. And I found this one yeah. to be really interesting because here's someone who says that they work for CBS and they can confirm that you are actually Alex Kurtzman in disguise. <laughs> i wish i wish i had that Kurtzman well, i'm money. starting to believe this because as we're recording this podcast we're on video on zoom and you're not so i can't confirm <laughs> if that's really you alex talking that's, to us yeah that's right that's right it's been me the whole time surprise 
It's been me the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've, I get accused of that a lot. I've been accused of that since forever because I have not actively just crapped on discovery like people would want, you, you know, me to. So I've been accused of being a corporate shill for many, many, many years. So if you say anything positive about any of the new stuff, you're a corporate shill and all these other very mean things. And it's like, guys, I'm just talking about how I feel about the show. You know, it's not that big a deal. And, and you know, it is what it is. And of course, now, because I've gotten some invites to some of the digital premieres that they're doing, they're like, oh, he's corporate. Like this guy, he just works for CBS. And I haven't changed any of my viewpoints. None of my videos have been taken down. I haven't changed anything. I haven't deleted a bunch of tweets or whatever to suddenly be pro CBS. I mean, I have a video that's on my channel where I talk, where I literally shit on the stewardship of the Star Trek franchise. Like I crap on the website, how it has all these crazy ads on it. I talk about how they haven't made a video game recently. And I, I criticize like all those things. Like that stuff is still out there. So I don't consider myself that, but people definitely do for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a video creator from the early days of YouTube named Zay Frank. And uh, there's something that he said that I always try and keep in mind. And it was, you know, 90% of the people who watch a video, they're going to fall in that middle. Like they'll probably be like, oh, that was interesting and move on. And the people that comment are on either side of the fringes and that's all people ever see and they they assume this huge polarization that you know there's people that absolutely hate it or people that absolutely love it and there's nothing in between and in fact 90 percent of people are in that middle there and uh right you know it, i think we as fans when we see debates on facebook you're not going to go into a facebook group or or comment on a video unless you really really care about something and most people just don't. They're probably just watching and thinking it's fine. <laughs> well, right. And you're right to say that. Like, I mean, I have, as a, as a human being, I have YouTube channels that I watch for other content all over the place. But, I mean, channels that I'm subscribed to and that I can't wait, like I watch religiously. Like one of them is like the, the Weekly Planet podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's attached to Mr. Sunday Movies reviews and stuff like that. And I love that podcast. I think it's great. I've never once commented on any of their videos. Never once. But I love it. You know, it's good stuff. And I just move on. You're like, you'll have a video with 40,000 views on it and it'll have 200 comments because you're right. Like only the fringe people are going to comment. But the majority of people just watched it and like, oh, that's okay. Most of them don't even leave a like. They're just like, well, oh, that's great. And they move on. You know, it's yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right to say that though. hundred percent. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, we'll have links, of course, in the description to your channel and, and to that video that we've been kind of talking about specifically. Uh, but if people want to follow you online, besides, of course, your, your YouTube channel, uh, where can they, they find you? Oh, they can find me uh, over on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, at Real Ketwalski. Um, because apparently at Ketwalski had already been taken. Somebody thought it was a good idea. <laughs> and I also am active on Facebook. I just have a regular Facebook page for the Ketwalski YouTube channel. And then, of course, I have an actual account for the Ketwalski uh, channel as well. So you can you can even add me as a friend on there. You can message me or chat with me. And if I have the opportunity, I will definitely hit you back. So, yeah, you can definitely find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Like I say, I've, I've watched your videos for quite a while and, and the, uh, the conversation was just as interesting as I thought it would be because to get kind of an insight into all of 
what's going on behind the scenes. I think, I think there's some really fascinating stuff there and I, it's like almost a, like a psychological profile of Star Trek fandom at this point, which I, I think it desperately needs. <laughs> Agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation, Mr. Kurtzman. I, and I've also been enjoying all of Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you guys want some rock walk-on rolls to uh, Star Trek Picard? I can hook you guys up, you know, yes. since I'm Alex Kurtzman. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Bruce, where can people find you when you're not uh, trying to ply Alex Kurtzman here for a role on Picard or Discovery? Yeah, when I'm not doing a walk-on role, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the little underline Rex. And I'm also occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. Find the show on Twitter at Positively Trek and just search Positively Trek on Facebook and join our group. We'd love to have you there. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Once again, uh, this week we've got a book review podcast, our book club podcast coming up on Friday. We'll be talking to uh, Una McCormick about the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. Uh, so keep an ear out for that. Really looking forward to that. Hopefully uh, see you there. And until then, as always, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.